Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everyone, welcome to the Baseball Podcast, where we've got exclusive baseball insider information. Here's an exclusive reveal from the exclusive Baseball Insider Podcast. An exclusive Baseball Insider reveal. Shohei Otani is going to sign with the baseball team in the next six months. Thanks for listening to my Baseball Insider Podcast. This has been a breaking news update, an exclusive update from the Baseball Insider Podcast. Subscribe to my Baseball Insider Podcast for more inside exclusive update <sighs> that's exhausting good morning afternoon evening to all of you wonderful ladies gentlemen and everyone else listening this is the royal deluxe podcast a podcast bringing you Breaking news and analysis of the Royals, the Kansas City Royals at that. Part of the fans for a sports network. Happy to be here. Happy to see you, see you all and hear from you all again. Hope you're doing well. Uh, once again, we've, uh, we're just kind of going with this erratic schedule as we trudge through the offseason, but you can keep up with me at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's for other general baseball stuff that goes on as it happens. Uh, there was kind of a funny trade that happened yesterday, so that was cool. It was like some kind of funny stuff that happened throughout the week that we talked about on Twitter. And if you don't care about that, if you want to have if you want to have um, more information about me than you uh, ever wanted, then go to at the MF and KC. That's my personal Twitter that I very seldom update, but it exists. <sighs> so, like I said, we're getting through the off season. Uh, updates are slow because 
Sometimes there's not a whole lot to talk about, so make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, keeping up with it so that you can get episodes delivered straight to your doorstep as they appear. And thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to open this up with a question. Um, where's the urgency, Royals? Hello? W- what, what are you doing, Royals? Where's the urgency? You just lost 106 games. Shouldn't you do something about that? Why don't the Royals sign any free agents? Are they stupid? I mean, look, I can forgive the Royals for a lot of things, and I do forgive the Royals for a lot of things. I find myself to be a, a, an optimist about the Royals, I and, and sometimes I might forgive them for a little too much, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. What, what can I say? I'm a forgiving guy. I'm just such a nice fella. So I, I can, you know, excuse some things. Like, all right, the Royals probably, realistically, weren't going to get Aaron Nola. All right, that, that voice in my head has beaten it into me so hard that I'm just willing to accept it. The Royals And the Royals aren't going to go after any other top free agents because, frankly, it's not even worth it. Like, I don't trust Blake Snell. You don't, you don't, need, you don't need Blake Snell. Don't, get, don't sign Blake Snell. You don't need Matt Chapman. What are you going to do with him? No. Uh, Cody Bellinger, he's going to cost $200 million. Absolutely not. Uh, and like, there isn't a whole lot to do at, at the top. And you're not, and you're definitely not going to convince a Japanese player to sign over here. The, the Japanese don't like the, the Midwest weather over here. All right. Kansas City, not a historical landing spot for, uh, you know, you know, the, these players. So you're, you're not getting Yamamoto. You're not, you're definitely not getting Otani. Like, let's, 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 you know, get that out of the way. Probably not even getting Imanaga or anybody. So it is what it is. I can forgive the Royals for all of that. But across the state, there's another team that put up its worst season in decades. It was a horrible season. It was an awful season for their standards. And that is, of course, the St. Louis Cardinals. 2023 was kind of like for them, a disaster season. The Cardinals don't lose 90 games. That's re- that's preposterous, but it happened. And so what they have done seemingly over the last week, at, at the very least the last two weeks, is they're like, all right, we're going to do something about this. This this was an unacceptable season for us, and so we're going we're gonna to correct this. We're going to make sure that 2024 is going to be a much better year. And so they signed three starting pitchers already. Three starting pitchers. Now, for what it's worth... It's not like I want, wanted the Royals to sign the same guys. They signed Lance Lynn. I'm fine with the Royals passing on Lance Lynn. I, I'm okay with that. Lance Lynn was not good last year. He had a six ERA. Pitched a lot of innings, so that's cool, but not a good pitcher. So I'm fine with the Royals balking on that. Okay, I'm not I'm not jelly about that. And then they signed, uh, who was the other guy they signed? They signed Kyle Gibson. And these are both one-year deals. They're short deals. Kyle Gibson... You know, this actually would be a pitcher I could see the Royals signing. Um, he's another innings eater. Had an ERA close to five, frankly, but 33 starts, 192 innings. You know, if you're a rebuilding team, you take that. You know, he, he that's that's what you act, that's what you wanted from Jordan Lyles. That's what the Royals thought Jordan Lyles was going to provide. But I get it. He's not like a good pitcher, so he's not necessarily going to you know, fix the team's issues or anything. So I'm fine with not signing him either. That's not my problem. The Cardinals want to, you know, fix their 90 loss season by signing those two guys. Yeah, go ahead. Have fun. But then they signed Sonny Gray. 
And that's a guy that is a good pitcher. And I really, truly believe the Royals could have possibly signed. Like, it was in the cards at the very least. Maybe the Royals, and look, maybe the Royals really tried. Maybe they actually did talk to Sonny Gray and he's like, I'm not, I'm not pitching for you guys. You guys suck. I hate you. You're bums. And you're losers. And I don't pitch for losing organizations. I go to teams that lost 90 games last season. Or the Minnesota Twins. Okays. Or the, or the Cincinnati Reds. You know, I, I only play for good teams. Is what Sonny Gray says. Um, But even still, it's like, I look at the contract. I look at what the Cardinals did with Sonny Gray. And I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility for the Royals to, do, for, to have done the same thing. Three years... $75 million. I, am I naive for thinking that the Royals could have done this? I I, I mean, I, I was trying to, you know, posit that Aaron Nola was possible for the Royals at $25 million a year for six years. Okay? I, I, I really don't want to believe that the Royals, like, it's just unfathomable for them to sign a three-year deal for $25 million per. Like, that just doesn't seem difficult for me. And I've always, and I've also felt that the Royals are in like a position right now where they can afford to spend more money right now because of how low their payroll is because of how low their commitments in general are going to be. And that's what they could have done for Sonny Gray. They could have done this essentially the reverse of what the Cardinals did, which is, a I don't understand why they did this. This is really weird. They're signing that. So Sonny Gray's contract is 10 million for 2024, 25 million for 2025, 35 million for 2026 when he's going to be 37. I don't know why they did that. That seems pretty weird. If I was the Royals, I would have reversed that. I would have said 35 for the first year. All right, come get your money, buddy. That's that's what the Royals could have done. They could have front-loaded that thing and then made it easier for themselves on the back end. But essentially, the point that I'm trying to make is that the Royals are now watching some names fall off the board in free agency. And sure, some of them haven't been very interesting. Some of them haven't really been worthwhile. Some of them might have been entirely out of reach, and that's fine. Like, I, okay, I'll, I'll accept that. But now we are starting to see some pitchers that I feel like they could have gotten and didn't. And now they're falling off the board. And it's like, what are, what are you waiting for, Royals? Kenta Maeda is another pitcher that was signed to a major league deal. Two years, $24 million. A absolutely, the Royals can do that. All right, it, it, let, let, let's assume Sonny Gray was out of the realm of possibility. That was too expensive. Okay, there's no reason why the Royals couldn't have signed Kenta Maeda. They can afford a $24 million contract over two, over two seasons. Okay, we're not going to sit around and pretend that they can't do that. They absolutely can. That's what they, that's, uh, never mind. I almost said that's what they gave to Mike Minor, but that, that isn't true. Sorry, fake news. Um. And I don't know, maybe the Royals could look at Kenta Maeda and say, well, he only pitched 100 innings last season. He's been kind of injured. He, even when he is healthy, he hasn't been like a, a workhorse necessarily. He has two seasons where he pitched more than 150 innings. And so that's like, okay, I can get it. But even still, I mean, that's kind of the market. That's just what, and like, you're going to have to do something at some point. You can't just sit around and complain about every single pitcher available and say, well, this guy is not going to be good for the team. Like, I mean, you have to do something because the pitching on this team was awful. So basically, quite literally, anything would be good. Like, honestly, at this point, Lance Lynn would be an improvement for this rotation. He'd be, you know, we're talking about Alec Marsh giving up home runs. Yeah, buddy. So is Lance Lynn. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the Royals are running out of excuses to not have guys signed. 
And it's funny because people always say like, oh, well, this is just typical Royals. This is a typical off ro- typical Royals offseason. They never do anything until like the last minute in the offseason. But that's not true. That's th- that's not true. The Royals actually have done. They actually have shown urgency in the in a past offseason. And it was very recent, actually. It was in 2020 going into 2021. OK, pull, pull up the transaction log. December. No, not even December. November. Get this. Yeah, the Royals did something in November one time. They signed Michael A. Taylor. Okay, not a big deal. That was one year, one and a half million. And at the time, everyone reacted to it like, okay, here's a rebuilding team signing a quad A player. Not a big deal. No one cared. Ended up being a terrific value for the Royals. This was that this ended up being a really, really good signing by the Royals. But all right, it, there was that, that was kind of a nothing burger at the time. So. What we won't really consider this uh, as like uh, like a definitive argument. Like, haha, showed you guys the Royals are the, the Royals were active in this one off season because they signed Michael A. Taylor really early. Okay, fine. December first, twenty twenty. The very next day, they signed Mike Miner to a two year deal for I think it was it was either sixteen or eighteen million. We'll just go with it. We'll, we'll go with eighteen just to make it a little more impressive by the Royals. I think it was actually sixteen though, but whatever. All right, two year deal. To an actual, legit starting pitcher. And sure, you can say, well, Mike Miner wasn't very good, but but it was also 2020. It was a shortened season, so lots of things were kind of, you know, wacky at the time. Mike Miner had a very good 2019, so you could at least see what the Royals were getting at. This was still, this at the time was a, a mid-tier free agent that the Royals went and got, and got him early. It's December 4th right now, so imagine if the Royals did something like that. They should, they, I'm saying the Royals in the past have, have made a mid-tier signing before now, in the past, in a past offseason. When they signed Mike Miner, it was still very, very early. So that was nice. And then, December 8th, one week after that, they signed Carlos Santana. Once again, to a two-year deal, I think this, I think this was also like 16 or 18 million dollars. And at this point, people are looking around like, wait a minute, the Royals are the most active team in the offseason. What is going on? And that that's kind of like the point that I'm trying to make right here. This was a time when the Royals were actually saying, hey, we've got some issues with our team and we, we're really in, we're committed to fixing them. Like we don't have a solid rotation. 2020, they, sh- they shipped out, you know, Brady Singer, who, you know, you could say was ready. But then they brought in freaking Chris Bubich from who, who hadn't pitched above the high A level at that point. He was starting games. I think Carlos Santana, not Carlos Santana, Carlos Hernandez was pitch, was uh, starting some games. And he was in like the single A level. All right. Like the Royals were, the Royals were like pulling out whoever they could to pitch in, in the rotation just because they had nobody else. So they're like, all right, we're going to get an actual starting pitcher. And, you know, like we can complain about Mike Miner and his performance. I personally don't think there was really an issue. Um, yeah, his ERA was five. His FIP was identical to 2020 to 2019 in 2021, and he pitched the most innings on the staff. So he did his job, all things considered, and then got traded. So nothing happened in 2022. It was fine. Dumped that salary, used it on Zach Greinke. Personally, I think this was a great signing by the Royals. Great process right there. They got what they needed in 2021 and then moved on. Found a way to get rid of him before he turned into a problem. And then Carlos Santana brought on-base skills to the team. He brought, like, legit patience into this lineup that loved to swing and miss at everything. All right, we had a lineup of Merrifield and Mondesi and Soler and Salvi and Dozier, although Dozier was also taking some 
walks at the time. So I guess you could say he was kind of helping with that. But still, like you had like the core of this lineup was based on swings and on, on swinging and contact and usually striking out a whole lot. So now you get a guy who's like, all right, I'm going to stand here and take some pitches every now and then. And look, uh, Carlos Santana is another guy that, that we kind of that we kind of argue about. Wasn't very good in 20, really wasn't good just kind of in general. But the first couple months of that uh, deal, frankly, like the first couple months Carlos Santana had in a Royals uniform, we actually had like good Carlos Santana. Like he was legit good for the first couple of months. And then he played through an injury supposedly. And that kind of tanked his numbers before. But before that, we had like. 250 average with 400 on base, Carlos Santana, which is what they signed up for. And it was really great. It really added something to this lineup. And we remember we had that really great August, or not that great August, that really great April. And it's like, wow, look, look, look how great things are now that we've got this guy. And even when the losing streak was happening in May, we still had, we still had him kind of uh, contributing a lot. And it's like, man, imagine how bad this team would be if we didn't sign this guy. So... And then, of course, Michael A. Taylor as well. So three signings within one month of free agencies, what the Royals did in 2020 going into 2021 to say, hey, we, we, we've, got these, we've got these holes in this roster. We have these specific needs on our roster. We need a guy who can throw innings. We need a guy who can take walks. We also need a center fielder because the Royals didn't have a center fielder. They used Bubba Starling in 2020. Um, you could maybe say Kyle Isbell would have been ready in 2021, and technically he was, but, I mean, you couldn't guarantee that. So that's overall the point that I'm trying to make. There was a time when the Royals actually looked at themselves and said, we need these specific things, and they went and got them immediately, pretty much. Now we're going into this offseason saying, all right, we need pitching, pitching, pitching right here. And it's December 4th. There are no they, The Royals have not signed a single pitcher. They have not signed a single player. They have not done anything. They have where where where's the urgency, Royals? Where are the signings? Okay, that's my alarm that goes off for when the Royals sign a major league contract. All right, what do you got? Garrett Hampson, one year, two million dollars. Guys, who is Garrett Hampson? I've literally never heard of this player before. All right, let's. All right, let's look him up. Garrett Hampson, center fielder, second baseman, and shortstop. Did did we need that? I, I was kind of telling the Royals he don't need to sign a position player unless it's like Adam Duvall or something. I don't know. Uh, 1.3 WAR though in 98 games. Okay, like slightly below average bat, but uh, I guess I'll take that. Uh, let's see the stat cast stuff. What do we got here? <laughs> da, 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 da. Garrett Hampson, shortstop Marlins. Mostly played, um, let's see. Mostly played shortstop last season for the Marlins and center field. Okay, well, he's not playing shortstop for the Royals, I'll tell you that. Uh, 98th percentile sprint speed, even though he only stole five bases, so not sure that happened. And uh, bottom percentile, hard hit percentage, and exit velocity, and 239 expected batting average. Royals, are you taking this seriously or not? Come on! What, what is the point of this? What am I supposed to do with this? I said to go sign a pitcher, not a utility player that runs fast and doesn't even steal bases. Like, wh why would you even sign this guy? What's the point of that? Ugh, like... 
Do you you have like a blockbuster trade for Nick Lofton in the works or something? Is that even worth it? I'd rather have Nick Lofton than this guy. I I, I don't I don't get the Royals sometimes, man. I, I, I don't get it. This is exactly the kind of guy that I wanted the Royals to not sign. You remember, like, when I was saying sign Adam Duvall, like, that was my one position player pick because I'm like, hey, here's, like, an actual established Major League veteran who's got, like, winning experience, you know, experience being good and all that. He's not, you know, a veteran in that he's played in the majors for five years and he can barely keep up because he's bad. All right. And that's what this guy is, essentially. Like, no offense, I'm sure he's a nice fellow, okay? Like, I, you know, we can we can be friends. I'm just saying, though, I mean, I don't want a guy who can't hit the ball hard and basically got whatever, po- whatever offensive success he had last year was due to a high BABIP. He has a BABIP of 379 last season. The Royals literally just said we have Nicky Lopez at home. I I don't even I don't even want actual Nicky Lopez at, right now. I want like actually good players that will help this roster win games. And I don't think that this is what this guy is. I I don't understand. You know, this is the kind of signing that you make in like February or March, you know, like why the like the Royals were really insistent on getting this guy now, almost as if to make fun of us. Like, oh, you guys wanted us to sign someone early. All right, here you go. Stop bothering us now. We we're, we're busy looking at places in Overland Park to put our stadium. I don't know, man. Look. Best case scenario, the Royals actually saw something in this guy. Like the hitting coaches looked at this guy and they're like, this is, we can do something with this guy. There's something we can unlock with this guy. He's got some hidden potential. Everyone in baseball is sleeping on this dude. They have no idea how good he is. You know, maybe like, like Michael A. Taylor, kind of. But even then, I think Michael A. Taylor was more valuable in Kansas City, but just based on defense because he plays a great center field and played in a gigantic ballpark to do so. So that that wasn't I, – I, I don't know. I don't really get it. I don't really get this signing. It's not the kind of signing that I want the Royals to make right now or really, frankly, ever. I don't – I don't understand it, dude. I mean, obviously, I'll root for him. I hope he's going to be good for the Royals, but – I, I'm not liking this process right now. Why have we not signed a pitcher yet? Why did we sign this guy before we signed literally any pitcher? You could have signed a guy, you could have signed like some crappy pitcher for $3 million and I would have at least been like, all right, well, at least you signed a pitcher. <laughs> at least you you somewhat understood the assignment. Go get a pitcher. Okay. Uh, a speedy utility guy. You know, I, I, I will say, if you don't like speedy utility players, with high BABIP and low power, then you don't like Royals baseball. That's just uh, what we do around here. It's 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 kind of frustrating. Not gonna not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Um. Yeah, I don't even know what to say at this point. I will say uh, there is something the Royals did do. So I guess speaking of hitting coaches and offseason changes, the Royals did actually make a pretty um, – I don't know if this was necessarily like a big, like a critical decision or anything, but the Royals have a new hitting coach. I, sorry, I, should, I shouldn't I should say it that way. The Royals had the same hitting coach. It's Alex Zumwalt. 
who was hired and who was installed in 2022. He's been with the organization for a while. Um, but yeah, he's he's the he's he's still the major league hitting coach. But we have an assistant hitting coach, a new assistant hitting coach named Joe Dillon. Now he comes from the Nationals organization. Um, he was with them for a cup for the last couple of years. Before that, he was with the Phillies for 2020 and 2021, and uh, I guess they let him go. I guess they didn't really like how things were going over there. Um, which is I, I've seen like mixed results. Like I see lots of people like clowning on this guy. Like oh, he got fired from the Phillies and then they got better when he left. Whoa, shows how good this guy is. I mean, they, they, 2021 Bryce Harper won the MVP. I don't know, <laughs> is he really that bad? Uh, um, and also. 2018 and 2019, he was with the Nationals for the first time, you know, the the year when they won the World Series. Now, he was the assistant hitting coach over there for the Nationals, and he was the head hitting coach for the Phillies. So maybe that's the that, that's the difference. Um, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe this is guy. Maybe this guy is better as part of a team than an actual team leader. And if so, that's fine, because. That's what he's here to do. He's here to be part of the team. He's not le- He's not running the ship. He's going to be a- an assistant to Alex Zumwalt, who, by the way, actually said that this is what he wanted. Now, I don't know if Zumwalt specifically like recommended this guy, like this is a guy he really wanted. Just that Zumwalt said, I'd like to have another assistant on my on my staff. Because uh, before, like when he was brought up as the major league hitting coach, he also had Mike Tosar with him as the assistant hitting coach. And then Mike Tosar went to the Chicago White Sox to be their hitting coach, like their actual major league hitting coach over there. And it doesn't seem like the Royals filled that vacancy. So this is essentially what that's doing. And I don't know why the Royals didn't do that earlier, frankly. But yeah, like they, we, we say the hitting kind of regressed a little bit. And I, I personally trust Zum, Zumwalt. I think that he like what he's talking about when he talks about hitting and like what he's instructing guys to do. I think he, he he's making some good points. He's talking about he's teaching some good philosophies. Sometimes it's just about the talent that he's that he's given. Sometimes guys just can't, you know, he he can coach, but it's up to the it's up to the hitters to actually hit. So, if they're not hitting then what 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 can you say? But hey, look at Bobby Witt Jr., you know? That that's that's been a great success for the Royals this season. Um, so yeah, so Zumwalt just simply said, I'd like to have, you know, another assistant. Or I don't know if he has an assistant already or whatever, just that he wanted someone else on the staff. And this is also an outside voice. And that's something else that we keep telling the Royals to do. Like, hey, go get people from the outside. Because obviously the Royals organization is rotten and dumb. And so we shouldn't be hiring from within. We shouldn't be promoting from within. We should be bringing people from other organizations into our organizations that we can learn the things that they're doing. Nationals won the World Series in 2019. All right, go get someone who worked on that team and have them come over here. So that's what the Royals did right here. Personally, I have no complaints about this. I think this is a nice little move. Um, it's kind of like a one of those like behind-the-scenes moves that we'll never really see. We'll probably never even really hear from this guy, but... He exists, and I think it's I think it's a smart process by the Royals. So, for some reason, this is the thing I'm most excited about uh, this week. Um, yeah. So, uh, there was something that happened last night, and it was kind of funny. I felt like talking about this because this does actually, I guess you could say, has it doesn't directly have anything to do with the Royals, but it did get like lots of people in the Royals fandom talking because it involves an old friend of ours. So Jackson Kowar was traded and you're probably like, 
Mr. Deluxe Podcast, I already know that because we, we talked about this on the last episode, I think. He was traded to the Braves. Correct. That's not what I'm talking about. The Braves traded Jackson Kowar again. They traded him to the Seattle Mariners, and they also gave the Mariners, I think, their second-round pick, who I don't even think has, like, actually played baseball. I think there might be some injury sort of thing going on right there. Uh, but if so, he hasn't played a whole lot. And so in exchange, the Braves got Marco Gonzalez, Evan White, and Jared Kelnick. So some people are saying, like, oh, my God, like, the, like the Braves just got Jared Kelnick for Jackson Kowar. The Royals could have done that. Maybe. Maybe possibly. I will say that this, this would be the kind of move I would like to see. If the Royals made this move, I would be ecstatic. I think this is a ridiculous move by the Mariners. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Mariners, I do my best to really appreciate you, but you make it hard sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are up to. You better sign Otani or something this this offseason. Um, so yeah, J- Jared Kelnick, um, former top prospect of the Mariners, kind of struggled for the first couple of years, looked like he was breaking out a little bit in 2023, and then got injured, I think, so that kind of derailed him again. But now that he's over in Atlanta, uh, the hitting coaching and the development they've got over there, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to break out. He's just, this is going to be great for the Braves. So, yeah, congrats. Um, and then, yeah, the, the 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 Mariners get to – it's their turn to have the Jackson Kowar experience. It's kind of ridiculous. But the thing is, there is a catch, obviously. The the, the Mariners didn't just give up an obviously good player for Jackson Kowar. Um, Marco Gonzalez is a starting pitcher who's owed $12 million next year, and he was really bad last year. Injured mostly, um, had like a nerve surgery in his forearm, which I don't know how to uh, feel about that moving forward. Um. But even then, before that, he had a season where he he was like kind of decent on the surface, like threw a lot of innings and had had like a four ERA, but also had a FIP of five. So that's kind of scary. So he's owed twelve million dollars next year, and Evan White is a first baseman who's owed seven million dollars next year, and also eight million in twenty twenty five. And he's completely unplayable. He hasn't even played Major League Baseball since twenty twenty one. Has barely played. He's played like thirty games of baseball total. Over the last two seasons, dude is just constantly injured and also never really figured it out at the major league level. But the, he was once the top, he was another top prospect of the Mariners back then. Mariners wanted to really jump the gun on this guy, and they they gave him and gave they gave they didn't really necessarily extend him. They, 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 okay, so they gave him a six year deal for twenty four million, but before he came up in the majors at all. So they bought out all of his arbitration years and all that, and then they had like team options at the end. So it was like a pseudo extension. And it seems like it was a nice, easy deal at the time where it's like, all right, if this fails, it's $24 million. What's the worst that can happen? Well, here's what the worst that can happen. They're now dumping that salary because most of it's in those last two years. He's owed $15 million for the next two years, and he's not you know, capable of playing Major League Baseball. So big waste. So that's the catch for this trade, and that's, that, that's essentially uh, the thing. If the Royals did this, again, if the Royals like, picked up all these guys, I would be totally cool with it. I actually wouldn't mind having Marco Gonzalez on this roster. I think he can still be capable of eating innings. You know, even if he's not like a good pitcher, he can be something. And then, you know, the advantage is that you have Jared Kelnick, who can be, who was like a, a, a breakout potential right there. So, um, 
yeah, I just felt like bringing this up because it's like, oh, Jackson Kowar was involved in another trade, and man, the the Braves really made a great trade for that. But it's not like it, it's not fair to compare it to the Royals trade because the Royals obviously had it's much different circumstances. The Royals just had a straight up swap for one guy for another. They're not like eating salary or anything. They're just waiting on a guy who's injured. Um, I'm fine with what the Royals did. Um, but if the Royals could do a, tr- a move like this where they get a quality player in exchange for eating a little bit of salary, I'd <laughs> I'd be totally cool with that. Um, oh, what was the other thing I wanted to say about it? Oh, uh, oh, and also the other thing about this trade. Keep 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 this in mind as well. When the, we when we traded Jackson Kowar, we were kind of working with a deadline where we had to at one point either do something with him or tender him a contract, or dump him completely. And the plan was to dump him completely. And then an opportunity presented itself at that exact moment. So that's what the Royals did. They they worked with what they had at the time. This is a trade that probably took days to, you know, fulfill and, uh, and accomplish. So it, different circumstances involving this trade. Don't worry about it too much from a Royals perspective. Just that I think the Mariners are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's all I got for those. So there was going to be some stuff happening this week, and I really hope there's going to be stuff happening this week because this is definitely the opportunity to do stuff this week. We'll talk about that in a minute, but before that, there's something that I want to add to the show. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So, what's going on this week? Well, quite a few things. The winter meetings have started. They're go. They're going. They're happening. And that's kind of why there was a, 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 a very questionable trade already made. So, all of baseball's front office executives or whatever are meeting in the same place. They're going to talk about each other. They're going to do stuff together. They're going to ride a bunch of carnival rides or something. I don't actually know what goes on in the winter meetings. I've never been there. It seems kind of like kind of a boring experience, but then they've also got like media guys who seem to have fun. So I don't know, whatever. Some players show up. And so this is essentially, this is hot stove season right here. This is where a lot of off-season action happens. So this is where a lot of guys are anticipated to sign contracts, 
this is uh, like a lot of people are saying, oh, this this week, this week is when Shohei Otani is going to sign somewhere. We're going to find out about it. Um, and like le- lots of big trades are being worked on, like Juan Soto is going to get traded. So that's going to happen this week. So, yeah, it, busy week for baseball in general. Could the Royals be busy as well? I certainly hope so. So like the, the Garrett Hampson signing does kind of signify that there might be some kind of trade. Because, again, like like Garrett Hampson, whatever role he fulfills, he could have been fulfilled by Nick Lofton. So I don't – so it does seem like Nick Lofton might be some kind of um, expendable piece that the Royals do plan on moving, which could be a good thing for what it's worth because I do think Nick Lofton is a valuable player. He's one of the few, like, valuable major league players that I think the Royals can afford to, to uh, package in a trade or just trade straight up. Hopefully, in exchange for you know a, a quality player, like I I simmed a trade, or not simmed a trade, but I um, speculated, I I uh, fantasized, I theorized a trade to the Angels for um, Pablo Sandoval, and it was it, it involved, I think it was I think it was Alec, I think it was Alec Marsh and Nick Lofton. It might have actually been Tyler Gentry instead. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We'll just consider Nick Lofton and Tyler Gentry equals in value. Just to make it easier for myself. So, anyway, point is, if the Royals come out of this week with something to show for themselves, they made a big trade, they made a, a quality signing, like a, like they signed a legit mid-tier free agent pitcher, like, um, what's the guy's name, Seth Lugo? Okay, go, that, that's cool, I'll, I'll take that. Then I will be at least a little bit more accepting, a little bit more forgiving of how slow the Royals have been. Uh, out, out the gate this offseason. If they don't do anything, then you're just going to hear from me next week uh, even more angry and even more absurd, even more comical, because I'll be losing my mind, literally. And some other things are going to go on this week. So Tuesday, Tuesday's a big day for us. Tuesday is going to be the day the Royals' future is decided. And I'm not being facetious. I'm not even being exaggeratory. 20, the, Tuesday is the 2024 draft lottery. Yeah. So we're going to find out where we stand with that tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday. So I, I guess if there is any uh, good news about the lottery system, it's that the Royals can't, can't pick any lower than eighth. And even then... Um, according to this chart that I'm reading, hopefully it's correct. If not, then I'm going to look real silly and I'm going to file a complaint. <laughs> um, they only have a 2.8% of going that low. That would be the literal worst possible case scenario because it's it's the first six picks that are determined by the lottery and then the rest go by re- reverse winning percentage. So at the very so the first six picks will be all you know lottery determined and even if. So the Roy- both the Royals and the Athletics have to completely lose in this lottery in order for the Royals to pick eighth. Um, so that would be the worst case scenario. Um, yeah, but it would be pretty bad if the Royals pick any lower than I would say third. Like if if we pick third, it's probably going to be fine. Hopefully, like usually top five is what you want in general. Like top top three definitely, but 
I mean, we had the second worst team in baseball last year, so it would be nice to have the second pick. I feel like that's fair, but unfortunately, Rob Manfred saved baseball and made it more balanced by adding a draft lottery. Thank you, really appreciate it. You're, you, that was such a that's such a that's such a great idea, bro. So definitely uh, keep up with the Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod for uh, whatever happens on Tuesday, because I'll definitely, I'll, uh, assuming I can. Hopefully I can if I can if it's like publicly available and yeah I'll definitely have some reactions to it as it happens, um, yeah but you know I'm already expecting the Royals to pick seventh that would be so perfectly 2023 Royals if we have if we tie the franchise worst record and then we not only completely lose the lottery but also the Athletics also lose a lottery so we pick seventh that would just be. <laughs> The 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 greatest possible outcome, so perfectly befitting of this season. And then on Wednesday, the Rule 5 draft is going to occur. So the Rule 5 draft is where you can essentially take some, uh, you can take a minor league, it's a, it's a draft where you can draft a minor league player from another system and then add this guy to your major league roster. Now he has to stay on the major league roster for the entire year, if you want to remove him for any reason aside from getting injured, then you have to just give him back to their their original team. Um, so that's kind of the the caveat, and it usually doesn't go very well. So like every year, there are a few guys that get selected in the Rule Five Draft. They usually don't last very long. Most of them don't even break camp with the team that drafted them. They just get refunded back in uh, like spring training or so. Sometimes some guys stick. Um, I think one of the, like the m- one of the more memorable ones recently was Akil Badu of the Tigers, but I'm not necessarily a great player, so that's kind of proving the point. Usually, you don't get <laughs> a great a great player out of this because, you know, the t- the way you can prevent a guy from being on the Rule Five draft is by adding him to the 40 man roster. So if there's like a top prospect you really like, then you add him there. Funny enough, I um. Uh, Looked at this uh, article on MLB.com. I believe it was by Jonathan Mayo, who's the MLB pipeline guy generally. And uh, he had like a list of, you know, notable Rule 5 eligible players. And there are a lot of Royals on this list. Like, like there are a lot of Royals guys on this list. Christian Chamberlain, Austin Cox. Which I like is notable, but like he's going to be injured the entire year, so I don't know if that's a like a, I don't know maybe a team could take him and then just stash him on the injured list, but I feel like that I don't know about it. Um, and then what else? There were definitely more. Asa Lacy was the big one because Asa Lacy was the fourth overall pick in 2020 and was supposed to be you know our next ace pitcher and uh he's like missing in action or or, or something so cool great that's awesome uh there was someone else beck way is another one tj sikama both of these guys i believe were we got from the uh andrew benintendi trade so yeah like like what four or five pitchers just right there and then also position players, Tyler Tolbert was listed. I don't know. I don't think Tyler Tolbert's, Tolbert's going to be taken. I kind of doubt that. Um, interesting prospect, interesting little guy, but uh, I don't think he'll be taken. I, I honestly don't know if really any of these guys will be taken because, like I said, you have to keep these guys on the major league roster for the entire season. So a lot of these guys are still probably in, like, the double-A level or even lower 
or at the AAA level, but had really bad numbers that are probably going to scare teams away. But look, it's the, the teams themselves, the ones who are going to be making these decisions of, of not only who to protect and who to not protect, but also who to take in the Rule of Five draft potentially, they definitely know a lot more than we do. I'm just kind of surface level uh, reading into some stuff. I did come away with a couple of guys that I think would be interesting, but again, I'm just kind of looking at this at the surface level. Um, and I will give credit where it's due. Uh, my first guy, I only have two guys, because like I said, there's not a whole lot of options in the Rule 5 draft, I don't think. But the Royals do have the second over, the, the second pick in this, which can be interesting and important. So they, they kind of have the pick of the, of the litter. So if there is somebody that might be worth getting, the Royals have the opportunity. So ball's kind of in their court. So anyway, the one, the first guy that I have, um, I'll credit MLB.com, the article. I, should, I might as well link the article uh, in the show notes. He was listed in here, and also the great David Lesky had his article talking about Rule 5 guys that would be worth picking up. Uh, check that out if you don't check out David Lesky's stuff because he's fantastic. He's brilliant. He also mentioned this guy. So I guess we're all on the same page with this one guy, uh, Matt Sauer. I'm going to assume that's how you say that name. He's a Yankees guy. 24-year-old righty, right-handed pitcher. He was picked up in the second round of the 2017 draft. He was an overslot pick. So he's basically so think of it this way. He was basically the Sean Manaya of uh that draft for the Yankees. Uh but it doesn't seem like his minor league career has gone extremely well. I think he's been injured or something. Uh currently, he's got a low to mid-90s fastball, which is kind of eh. good slider though. Uh his numbers are 3.42 ERA. 4.3 FIP, not so good, but decent still, and a 3.71 expected FIP. Um, and this is kind of because he has a very low BABIP, very low batting average on balls in play, which is not ideal, but he struck out more than 10 batters per nine innings in A ball. And then only, well, he walked 3.8 per nine, which is pretty high, but that's still a strikeout to walk ratio of 2.86, which is, you know, it's it's manageable, I guess. I do like the strikeout numbers. I do like his uh, general lack of being hit around, I suppose. So I think there's something there. There is, of course, you know, like I said, double A level. So he's going to jump. He's going to skip the triple A level entirely. But hey, worked for Brad Keller. Brad Keller skipped the triple A level and he was selected in the Rule 5 draft for the Royals. So maybe something there. I think he's got some interesting stuff. Um, he's probably more of a reliever at this point. He's like, he's been, he's been starting for the Yankees in their minor league system, but I, I he, he's got more of a reliever's repertoire in my opinion. And that's kind of like what everyone else is saying as well. Like, yeah, probably not a starter long-term, but still I'll take a reliever. I, I will take a reliever in the rule five draft pitching, pitching, pitching. That's what we need right now. And then the other guy that I listed I'm listing this guy because nobody else really listed this guy. If you want other Rule 5 candidates, and go check out the MLB.com article. Go check out David Lasky's article. They know a lot more than me. They're much smarter than me, so you can listen to them instead of me. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one guy that I haven't really seen them talk about, and that is Ian Bedell. He is a Cardinals prospect. He's 24 years old, fourth-round pick in 2020 from University of Missouri. He's from Mizzou, and he's actually from, like, like living-wise, from Davenport, Iowa, which is the home of our high A affiliate, the Quad Cities River Bandits. So this guy's got royal written all over him, in my opinion. 
He had Tommy John surgery in 2022, uh, but he's come back pretty decently. He's got a low to mid-90s fastball, a really good curveball. Um, fan graphs gave him a, p- a potential 60 grade on his command. Not current, like his current grade is like a 40, but potential 60 grade for a command. That's pretty rare, actually. Like, you don't see a lot of guys that have potential plus command. Um, and he has shown it a little bit, like not as great as you want it to be, but 9.94 strikeouts per nine innings. That's that, that's good. 3.19 walks per nine innings. That's, yeah, it's kind of mediocre, but still strikeout to walk ratio above three. You know, that's, that's not bad. There's potential right there. 3.5 FIP on the season last year. But, of course, there's a catch. Otherwise, this guy wouldn't be unprotected in the Rule 5 draft. This was at the high A level. So you're talking a massive jump in like in quality of play uh, if, you're, if you're getting this guy and putting him on your major league roster. So that's a big leap of faith right there. Is it worth it? Mm, well, I don't know. Like I said, there are people who know a lot more about me and they're the ones who are going to make that decision or not. They'll choose not to make that decision, and I would uh, trust them a little bit more. I know, I know, it's easy to, you know, crap on the Royals and say, "Oh, the Royals are just dumb. We don't, we don't trust anything they do." They, they're still a little bit smarter than me. I'm just here to entertain. Listen, I'm, ju- I'm just a guy on the internet with a microphone. What do I know? Maybe this, maybe this guy is total rotten doo doo, and the Royals looked at him and are like, "Nope, he's a bum. We ain't touching that. No thanks." Um, but yeah, that's all I really got out of the Rule 5 draft. I, like, there were some position players. I didn't really take too much. I, I don't, like, the Royals don't need a position player. Like, where's he even going to play? I, we, we've got enough options. We've got enough of a logjam at, like, every position. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm good with not taking a position player. Just pitching. Just get some pitchers. So that's what I want this week. If the Royals go and sign a major league pitcher, if they sign Seth Lugo and then a decent reliever this week, and then maybe they make a trade. And they, may, and they pick someone up from the Rule 5 draft that's interesting. And also, they don't lose anybody in the Rule 5 draft. I'll consider this a successful week. And also, they still pick top four in the draft, thanks to the lottery. If, they, if all that happens, then maybe things will be good. Maybe I'll, I'll come back next week and I'll be like, man, how about, how about them Royals? We're, we're on our way up. You, you'll see. You'll see. One of these days, it will have all been worth it. I hope. I hope someday it will all be worth it. Um, I, I wanted to follow up on that, but I just don't have it right now. I'm sorry. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to end it. All right. That's going to do it for me this week for the Royal Deluxe Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Of course, you can keep up with the show and other baseball commentary on, on, the, on, the, on the social media platform that begins with the letter X right now. Of course, I'm talking about Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod. And you can keep up with me personally with other stuff I'm doing at the MFNKC. And further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me how dumb I am. Tell me what you think of the show. Ask me a question. I can answer it on the show. Things like that. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate it if you left a rating, left a review. If you didn't like the show, you can still leave a rating. You can still leave a review. You're entitled to do that. Won't hurt my feelings that much. But if you don't do any of that, no hard feelings. I love you all the same. 
Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. Hope you all have a good week. I'll see you uh, next weekend, unless there's something we really got to talk about during this week. Who knows? Maybe. But we'll talk about it when we get there. See you guys around. I've been Lux. Go Royals!